Hello, I'm Dr. Yishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. According to a National Sleep Foundation survey in 2010, about 93% of people say a comfortable mattress actually is very important for them to get a good quality of sleep. So, what kind of mattress do you sleep on? Today, I'm joined by two guests from the mattress company Sleep Number. Raj Mills is the VP of Sleep IQ Health, and Dr. Cassie Morris is the VP of Innovation Strategy and Business Ventures at Sleep Number. So they have collected a lot of sleep data over the years. So let's dig into the data today and see what we can learn from those customers' data. Don't walk away. We will be right back. By two or three p.m., are you so sleepy that you cannot even focus? Are you tired of drinking coffee all day long? Are you worried how the poor sleep may impact your health? CBTI method is evidence-based first-line treatment for insomnia, and I'm sure it can help you. Even if you just sleep better for several nights, it would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so much success with my CBTI insomnia treatment course over the years. So if you know someone may need it, check it out here at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. So we have two special guests today from、uh, Sleep Number, Cassie and Raj. Do you want to introduce yourself first? Great, yeah. Thank you so much for having us. My name is Cassie Morris. I lead innovation and business development at Sleep Number. I come from a medtech background, but I'm really excited about sleep and the where we're going、um, in the universe of sleep and the importance to all of our health and well-being.、We're、so happy to be here. My name is Raj Mills, and I'm responsible for Sleep IQ Health and Research at Sleep Number. I also have a A med tech background, and like my friend Cassie, I'm passionate about sleep and all of the great work that we're doing at Sleep Number. Awesome! Welcome, both of you. I'm so excited because I actually never really interviewed anyone in the、um, the mattress and the、uh, combining like a sleep mattress and technology, right?、Uh, from that background. Because clinically, I did get a lot of questions from either patients or friends, family members. What are some good mattresses? How to make sure they can find something comfortable to them? So I'm curious. When you work in this field, what have you noticed that?、Uh, what are some factors could really make a mattress comfortable for people? Well, I can start, Cassie, and then. Uh, please feel free to jump on.、Um, I would say, you know, one of the interesting things about sleep and mat and sleeping surfaces is, you know, every individual has a different need for a sleeping surface. You know, some people prefer different levels of comfort, different levels of cushion. So it is a very individual preference, and that's where a mattress and a, a smart bed like Sleep Numbers is interesting because. On each side, each person is able to set their own firmness. That really speaks to that individual nature,、um, because it's very difficult. It's a very difficult question to answer because it, there is no one answer for everyone. 
And I would just add that what's really interesting is people come and are searching for a sleep surface based on comfort. They want something that's going to be whatever their definition of comfort that we can deliver to them. But what's really interesting is when we think about smart beds and the smart bed landscape, it's really about the platform because people think about smart and they think about technology and they think that's hard and not comfortable. But the the beauty of having a smart bed is you have all of the comfort features and the individuality from the, the sleep number of a sleep platform from a comfort perspective, but it's based on and is driven by this seamless, effortless IoT infrastructure on the back end. That's the operating system of the sleep surface, of the sleep platform, if you will, so that we can take and effortlessly sense what's going on while you're sleeping. All you have to do is go to sleep. There's no, there's no button to push. There's no app to, to no uh, watch to wear. Just go to bed. We can effortlessly sense what's going on. And then with the platform, we can use artificial intelligence and machine learning to then say, okay, we see what's going on. We're going to either adjust you throughout the night to make sure you stay comfortable, or in the morning, we're going to provide you with some insights to say, here's what we saw in your sleep now and over time. Here's some suggestions on how you can adjust your behaviors so that you can have your very best day because you had your very best night. So it's this whole platform, really. It's not just about the sleep surface. It's about the sleep surface and the infrastructure of sensing and doing, as we call it, the the sensing and the action that gives you this holistic view of how can we support you to get your very best night of sleep, because that leads to your very best day. Wow, that's amazing. Um, It feels like that's already an individualized intervention or treatment somewhat, right? Because massage could be a treatment too. And how we sleep, like what, what are some suggestions we can get to optimize our sleep? It's like a treatment. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. amazing that uh, a, a sleep surface combination in combination with technology could deliver that. I think what you just introduced changed my stereotype about machine, about, you know, technology. I tend to think them as hard, cold, uh, <laughs> and not comfortable. But thinking about the, oh, it, it's bad, it's a surface, you sleep on that and you can reach individualized level of comfortable, uh, comfortness. So, wow, that, that make me start thinking about t- technology as something fuzzy, warm, and uh, soft. <laughs> well, it's the way that it, it can help you, really. I mean, we think about technology as an augmentation to our life, but it's, it is about data, and data, to your point, feels very binary. It's, it's good or bad. It's this or that. It, the, the beauty of the, the kind of collection or the combination of the technology with something you interact with and you have to do. I mean, we have to sleep. And in a way that if we can combine those two in a way that's that's enabling individuals to take, kind of take control of what can I do about my sleep? How can I have sort of proactive and preventative thought process about my sleep and how it impacts my day? Then, then it's technologies working with you not sort of next to you, which is what we think is really exciting about the platform. When we're sleeping, it's the most blind part of our day. Even if we don't track our daytime metrics, we have a sense of 
how, you know, what we're doing, what we're eating, but when we're sleeping, we really lose that sense. So to have something that shows us, you know, the evidence of, you know, what our um, heart rate or our breathing rate or heart rate variability is during this period of time that we can't really assess for ourselves, it's so powerful to then really realize what you need to do to improve certain things to improve your sleep. Hmm. That's remind me of a lot of different sleep trackers, right? That's a matter of your sleep. It sounds like um, the bed, your sleep surface from sleep numbers can track some health factors as well and sleep related or non sleep related, but you will know how you sleep overall and how, how your health overall. And that's possibly, I can imagine that's a very important data for ourselves as individuals, or maybe can help um, healthcare providers. Absolutely. It is so essential. You're absolutely right. We collect very, you know, similar metrics to health tra- other health trackers. I think um, there's a very large category of wearables and nearables. You know, what makes us unique, and Cassie hit on this earlier, is that not only are we sensing, you know, all of these parameters, but we're actually able to improve your sleep. The sleeper can adjust her bed to improve that sleep. She can change the setting. She can add foot warming. She can raise her head. You know, for myself, I actually sleep with my head slightly elevated all the time. That's it's most comfortable for me. That way I don't snore. You know, those are all things that are personal to me, but the bed actually helps me do that because I found the information through my app. And I was able to adjust and find my optimal um, sleep position. Mm. Wow. I think originally many years ago, when I first heard about a sleep number and smart bed actually is because I was learning about sleep, right? I learned about sleep apnea. My family also has a history. I noticed there's a bed that can rise up automatically in the middle of the night, can help people breathing better. I think that that's my first impression of your products. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is so amazing. But my only concern is the firmness and all the other features, whether those can be, you know, included, but sounds like now it can do a lot of things. My parents, when they visit me in America, they are from China. They want the hardest bed on the market. And I did not know any American-made bed could really meet their standards. So I ended up buying a, a actually very expensive Chinese bed from some kind of Chinese factory. It's made by almost the wood, right? Those kind of piece of... Um, uh, wood-like plants on the surface so to make them satisfied but sounds like um, I think next time I will try your products it sounds like it can do much more and then when they're not visiting you you can adjust it to meet some to your other guests needs. exactly <laughs> that's the problem now yeah. my American friends when they come to my place visit and stay in my guest room they're like oh this bed is so hard <laughs> so hard <laughs> That's great. That's great. And, you know, I think that that's a great example. I would say also, you know, Cassie and I both, um, we talk about this amongst ourselves is that we change our settings nightly because, you know, for myself, sometimes my back hurts and I 
set it to a different setting than other nights that I might need uh, a firmer surface. So it's a night to night uh, option that everyone has to be able to adjust their sleeping surface. Mm. I like that. That's, that's giving me an image of like, bed becomes clothes, right? Like I think about how many clothes I have in my closet. Every day I have different mood. I want to wear different color, different things. And bed and the bedroom is such a, you know, unique place. We need to be super comfortable, but we also have different mood, different feelings every day. And I'm thinking, actually, I have a light in my room. It's smart light. It can change colors. I never thought about actually bed can change different settings as well. Yeah, it's all of those components that come together that are really powerful. Um, and the more you can have some individuality and and tune it in, tune it for you, then that's the real power in 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 the experience. Yes, I always say sleep is such an individual thing. When I treat sleep disorders. Even they are all insomnia patients, every single person's where they got stuck, where their symptoms are, right? Um, it's so different. And why bad should be the same. So mm-hmm. I really like the approach and the direction you guys are going. I think that's so important. Totally change our um, whole lifestyle and quality of life now. And I'm also curious, you collect a lot of data from your bed. Is there any like... I love like big data, what that can tell us, right? I'm just curious, do you find anything interesting you can share with us? Oh, lots. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we've actually really started to present our data. Last year, we presented at Sleep 2021, two studies. Um, one of them was related to um, a model we built to predict covid And the other one was around uh, HRV patterns. And then we also presented three topics at World Sleep uh, 2022. We're going to speak at uh, Sleep 2022 as well. So we're really really trying to showcase the the data aspect, as you mentioned. Um, I can hit on the COVID study, and and we also subsequently pulled that model to predict uh, influenza also. But um, what we did was we solicited our sleepers to participate in a study, um, and many of them did. Um, and we asked them if they had been diagnosed or, or uh, you know, if they had tested positive for COVID and had felt symptoms. And based on their answers, we looked at their heart rate, breathing rate, HRV motion, um, duration of time in bed, you know, just restlessness uh, along with motion. And what we found was that we could predict from all of those factors when their symptoms were going to occur. And so we looked at their data previous to the time that they were experiencing sim- symptoms or were um, test- or tested positive, and then afterward and, and during that period, and then afterwards. And we built a model that predicts uh, when someone would be feeling symptoms. And then we used that same model. And we looked at CDC data for influenza and we applied that model to our sleepers and the correlation was very, very close. Um, So highly, highly accurate um, where our model showed high correlation to the CDC metrics of influenza. 
Wow. Let me try to understand. So from the, how you sleep, um, like, right, and all this data, all this health data as you collect during sleep, you can use that kind of to predict when you're going to show or experience symptoms of COVID? COVID or influenza or respiratory-like um, illnesses. So very powerful, very powerful. Okay. Is that because all these diseases are some somehow breathing related? Very much correlated to breathing. Um, we've also seen that people tend to spend more time in bed. So their duration increases, their heart rate is impacted as well. It's just fascinating to see, you know, how different people react. And the interesting thing because we collect this data night after night, it's not just a one-time assessment in a lab. We have data for years for some of our sleepers. So we're able to compare how they how their sleep data um, showed up during a time when they were sick versus a year ago when they were not sick. So we were able to compare their own data to themselves to really assess the times that we're they look like they're getting sick versus a normal sleep pattern. Oh, okay. Because um, I I know when we are sick, we tend to recover using sleep, right? But without detailed detection, we may only know oh, when we are sick, we need to sleep longer, but we don't mm-hmm. know how everything else change about sleep. That's exactly right. What's really exciting about what we're doing, and um, Raj alluded to it, is we have an entire population of our sleepers who've opted in to do this type of research. When they buy their bed, they opt into our research panel. And so we can run these IRB approved studies so that we're we're taking their data night after night, combined with some qualitative information from a survey and are able to really look at specifics associated with sleep. And we can test interventions. We can test really lots of things. And the beauty about the platform is we can try things and then we have the ability to measure whether or not something was effective because we're continuously measuring those sleep parameters. So um, Raj's entire uh, organization is really focused on how can we use our data to your point to understand more about sleep, to to appreciate what the fundamental science is behind sleep. Um, And then my organization and and the rest of the organizations, how do we take that information and translate it into something that has utility for our sleepers? So it's how do we take that science and and do the translation to, to consumers and what's really valuable for them? And that's what's really, I think, is exciting and unique about Sleep Number is the commitment and the really the investment in science. Um, So they're exciting times. Yeah, that's what I value the most. I always really appreciate products um, like, you know, uh, respect data and research, Mm -hmm. use that to guide the uh, delivery of the real thing, right? I think that, and then sounds like it not stop there. After you sell the products, the research continues, the data continues, and then you can optimize it further and further to benefit more and more people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll just add, we have a phenomenal scientific advisory board that also um, helps us. Um, Dr. Van Cowder, Dr. Uh, Summers, Dr. Owens, and Dr. Bicey, who are 
uh, all four of them, you know, renowned in their specific areas of sleep, um, have been such great partners in helping us with um, our, our research and our application of that research to actually help our sleepers get better sleep. Wow. All big names in the field. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yes. And I, I will go to the sleep conference this year too. So I look forward to oh, uh, what you guys can present and yeah, see whether I can interview you again there if the data is different than, you know, what we talk about here. Absolutely. We'd love to see you there. Great. So let me ask a little bit hard question. I know for sleep trackers, right? When uh, we noticed when people are very anxious about sleep, they like if they have insomnia or something, they've been suffering for a while. They tried all these things, nothing helped them or they are not not satisfied. When they use sleep trackers, we notice actually they may become more anxious because they want to check the data every single day. They want to make sure they are resting well. If not, or if they think they are not resting well, then it triggers a lot of intense anxiety, makes the insomnia worse. So that's my worries about data and anything. I think technology is great. They change our life, but there's pros and cons, right? So for your smart bed, for your sleep IQ technology so far, have you noticed anything that it may interfere with certain populations or certain sleep problem, or do you anticipate that may happen for some people? You know, it is it is such an important question. And uh, we offer several options to, you know, make sure we accommodate different levels of comfort in that in that area. So we have a privacy mode where um, our sleepers or maybe maybe in one bed, one in the couple really likes to check their data and the other doesn't. Once a private the privacy mode is set, we don't collect any data. So it doesn't, I mean, it, you can't, in fact, then you can't actually check your app um, and see any of your data because we're not collecting out of the bed at all. So we're very, very, we feel very strongly about that. And I would add that, you know, I, I think there is a um, conscious bias or, or a consciousness to wearing a tracker, right? You feel it on your arm. You actively put it on. You actively charge it. You know, there's a process to uh, that you have to go through to track your sleep. Whereas the bed is completely effortless. There's no, you know, there's nothing to charge. It's already hooked up through Wi-Fi. You know, you just go to bed. And so that consciousness of I have to put this tracker on to monitor my sleep is just dissipated. So I think it relieves some of that anxiety and stress because you don't have that active, you know, step in there. That makes sense. So nothing to remind you constantly, oh, there's a data I could check. Right. And I mean, that's not to say that there are individuals who then, the second they get out of bed, they're going to check it. But we think that the effortless component addresses some of that. Um, but we're we're very conscious about how sleep is impacted by the desire to have perfect sleep. So it's, we have a score of how you did last night, but it's always about, this is what your score was. This is what was good. This is what you could potentially, um, what behaviors you might want to try changing. So it's constantly giving 
information. It's not just data that's that then you have to interpret and say, oh gosh, what does that mean? It's not just that have data just for data's sake and you're not quite sure what to do with it, but it's a function of we provide you with some insight to say, hey, this is what we notice. Here are some trends over time of, about when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, all the things that we know, uh, efficiency, duration, and timing that are critical to getting consistent sleep. Um, those are the pieces that we can then kind of work with you on. So it's it's more of a partnership, if you will. And it's not so much as here's just some information, do with it what you, what you may. So that's part of um, the commitment that we have and the relationship that we have with our sleepers. Mm. I, I like that. I like that uh, whole philosophy, like partnership and teamwork, mm-hmm. right? Uh, <laughs> something is assisting me, not controlling me, or uh, or I don't know what to do with it. I think uh, for a sleep tracker, a lot of time is they have so detailed sleep data, not fully accurate, but people interpret in their own way. I constantly get questions from people. Oh, I only had like one hour or two hour deep sleep last night. It's horrible. What should I do? Like people, will, some people, you know, they would imagine they're going to have 100% deep sleep. That would be <laughs> ideal. <laughs> yeah. So for your data, are you able to tell those kind of things as well? Other than, you know, all this heart rate and other health component, are you able to actually tell some sleep state? and show that to people? So um, at World Sleep, we actually presented um, a study we did that correlates interbeat intervals with sleep stages. Because we don't have an EEG, we use machine learning and AI to really interpolate what we capture into things like sleep stages. So I would say that we can make certain correlations based on that data. And, um, you know, we, we had actually an oral presentation on that specific topic and it garnered a lot of interest at, at World Sleep. But the, I would say the application today is more about restfulness and restlessness. So it's more in terms of what a consumer can appreciate and really understand to get at a lot of what you're um, uh, stipulating as far as what, how much deep sleep do I need? How much REM sleep do I have? What's my midpoint? All of those things that we as sleep scientists know are important, but most consumers can't appreciate those nuances. So the way that we have chosen to go to the market to date has restful and restless, and we're trying to maximize your restful sleep. Um, and there's a, a, a differential algorithm that we use to calculate that. Uh, but that's really how we've chosen to kind of go to the market. People can understand that versus really being worried about, oh my goodness, my my deep sleep is is fragmented or which we know are, is important. But until we can really say this is what you do about it, we're we're choosing to give information that that can be actionable and that is better understood um, by most. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. I I really, I'm so happy to have both of you here because we can see, right, the data, the science part, and then really think about how that's going to face the consumer. And every single person in the world, not everyone know about sleep knowledge. And then how can you still benefit from a product, from the information provided, easy to understand? I think restfulness is such a big thing already. Everyone sleep won't feel well rested. 
and we have different standards for that. So it's definitely a concept easy to to capture, easy to apply. This conversation does help me understand further, right? Um, we have research is one thing, but how to really apply that in in product in real life is totally another thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, th- this is very interesting. I also want to ask um, about the sleep apnea piece, since I think that's uh, such a great function of your bed. How that works? Does that just detect people's breathing automatically and automatically gonna up and down? So you or it give you suggestions in the morning, you set up something in the app so it can do more or less the next night. Let me start by saying that the sleep sleep number beds and all of which are uh, smart beds, um, the entire line of beds, we're not a diagnostic tool, but we are a consumer product. So I'll, I'll, right away, I'll, I'll say that because um, we're not intended to diagnose anything. But I think the benefit, and this is really goes beyond apnea as well, but the one of the benefits of the bed is, you know, we can provide early indications of things that maybe our sleepers should pay attention to. So, you know, in terms of apnea, I think really the root is, you know, that we're thinking of is snoring. And, you know, we're building an um, auto snore capability that tilts the entire bed. So it's not just um, raising your head because uh, once your head is raised, if you try and turn on your side, it's very uncomfortable if just your head is raised. So it's, it's actually a full body tilt. Those are things that we are addressing right now. I would say that in the future, there may be um, room for us to be more precise um, with apnea or even other um, other research that we're doing in collaboration with the Mayo Clinic. You probably have heard of our partnership with American Cancer Society. So we're really uh, broadening our research. However, really knowing that we are a consumer product and we're really um, we're really at the earlier stage, you know, pre-diagnosis of anything. Cassie, would you add anything to that? I would just say that I think your um, the impression that you have today, so our the current platform has the capability to raise the head, but it's initiated by the sleep partner. So the sleep partner hears you snore as their partner. And then there's a solution to say, I, I don't want, I've, I've elbowed them in the ribs enough times that is ineffectual. So I'm going to raise their head. And, and that's the, um, the snoring feature on the platform right now, but to Raj's point, we want to automate that and, and have it be the platform is listening, if you will, for snoring sounds and can then take action on your behalf. Uh, and so that's, that's the next generation of the platform. But right now it's it's just, it, and I, I personally use it quite often with my sleep partner because this isn't working anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I remember the joke clinically, um, a lot of people come in to treat sleep insomnia, sleep um, apnea is forced. They are forced by their partners yes. to come in to check it out. <laughs> They don't and really have the motivation. Right. And then it's incredible because then they realize once they have treatment, they said, I didn't realize how how little sleep I was getting and how terrible I felt. 
So then they're always, I have had the experience that they're always so appreciative that their partner was relentless and making sure that they were getting the treatment they needed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that that actually, I think, touch on a little bit backstory, right? Like generation by generation. I feel like what you share with me today is already much more advanced than what I know of your products years ago when I was searching for a mattress. What, what motivates the, all the team, right? Keep on working and how do you decide when to add what into this feature? Because it seems like there's a lot, a lot you could do. Absolutely. And I would say that's their biggest challenge and excitement in the field is of all the things that we could do, what should we do? And really what motivates us is that sleeper journey. What's the sleeper's experience? Where do they have needs as far as from a comfort perspective, from a a data and knowledge perspective? What's their health situation? Is there physiologically something getting in the way of them sleeping? Is it psychologically getting in the way of them having the best night of sleep? So it's really thinking about that whole journey of the sleeper and where we can add value. Um, So it's that ideas, how we approach it. But then it also comes back to, we know that the trends from a consumer perspective are really more and more health awareness and health tracking is coming home and into people's, um, into people's uh, homes. And so it's how do we really meet them where they need us, wherever they are in their, in their life journey. If you think about it as, as, 10 years ago, I had very different sleep needs than I'd have today than I will have in another 10 years or 20 years, really. So it's all of the innovation that we are planning and um, developing is how do we think about that future of connected sleep health? Um, today, we deliver a really incredible sleep experience with some, some advanced features, but we're really in that future is how do you connect all the dots for the sleeper and really provide them with a solution that's that's really about their health and well-being. And well, I'll add one more thing. That's exactly yes. right. I'll, I'll I'll just add that even the medical community is moving more towards the home. You know, whether it's sensing and um, you know uh, looking at um, methods to you know evaluate um, home care or even treating at home, but there is a definite shift even from the institutional, you know, hospital systems or payer systems to move more to the home. So we're really sitting at a very interesting intersection where the consumer, as Cassie said, is learning more about health and is more attuned to their own health while the the hospital systems and the medical community is also trying to discover the home, right? So, you know, we're at a really interesting precipice. Yeah, that that just remind me clinically. I always tell my patients that as we age, right, our sleep needs gonna change, and of course, when we, our sleep needs change, everything like surroundings, uh, especially the sleep environment, need to be changed accordingly. But also, there's like. Uh, sounds like very obvious generation by generation and uh, technology environment, culture environment, and even the sleep medicine field. We keep on discovering more and more sleep disorders and more and more sleep problems. The children have their own group of sleep problems. Adults have their unique 
uh, challenges. So uh, definitely, I think if technology, right, like uh, we spend, think about, we spend so much, possibly one third of our life uh, on bed after COVID, possibly half our life at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> if not more. Um, it, this this going to be great and huge potentials if it keep on evolving as we age, as uh, technology change, as the generation change. Amazing, optimal. And the beauty is, I mean, when we think about historically, the only information we have, your your interaction with your patients is episodic. You know about them in that one moment in time when they come and see you, and maybe you have a, a period of time, but it's still an episode. Because of this platform, we have this longitudinal view and these billions of nights of sleep data that we are constantly, I mean, Raj and her team are constantly querying to find what are those other patterns that we we haven't unearthed or for you as an individual, what have we seen in your data over time as you are evolving and and aging and and changing? Like, what are we seeing in your data over over time? Because it's not episodic. It's every night you go to bed and you don't have to do anything and you don't have these big gaps in coverage or compliance because someone's watch died or they put it in their drawer. I have a whole drawer of, of tracking devices because we have this longitudinal data that's effortless. We have that real opportunity to find some of those pieces and connect some of those dots for sleepers throughout their kind of sleep journey. Yeah. Data can tell us a lot. I do have a personal interest, um, but I don't know whether this is a appropriate for this show yeah. because it's a, um, but I don't know whether it's a future research topic you guys plan to discover, if not yet, it's about sex and sleep because I'm a, sec- a sleep specialist, but I'm also learning sex therapy right now. And when I talk to some sleep specialists, which really interesting when they treat sleep disorders, especially sleep apnea, if they tell the male patients Okay, you're gonna die early. You know there's health consequences. Look at the data. They're like, eh, I still don't want to treat it, right? Unless the part bad partner is really mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you tell them, well, if you don't treat this, actually your sexual function gonna be impaired, and then they're like, okay, what should I do, right? <laughs> and I feel like when I treat insomnia. Uh, sex is not a big piece, but it's something we always tell patients. You won't keep your bed just for sleep. The only exception going to be sex, right? So it's always something in the picture, and it's something we engage on bed, and that is important part of that. But we don't have a lot of data around sleep and sex and sex and health in general. So I, I feel like there's a lot can be done in that field. Um, but there are also like culture and political issues. Like my ch- Chinese colleagues, a lot of them working um, big universities. I said, do you want to collaborate on a topic about the sex, human sexual behavior? They're like, no, no, no. We cannot touch on that topic at all. It's dangerous. <laughs> so, but I'm so curious. There, there are people ask me, well, if I, you know, have sex or must be, masturbate before bedtime, does that help me sleep better? All those questions are all there. I don't have enough data to really offer a solid answer. So I'm just curious is that will, will that possible be a future direction for your research or is that's helpful? <laughs> we'll note it down. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for、uh, coming to the podcast and sharing all this wonderful technology and knowledge to us. I I'm really eye-opening experience to know how the sleep numbers technology has been developed in such a way. Wow, so fast. Great. Thank you、Absolutely. so much for having us. Our pleasure.、Us. Yeah. 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 So, oh, the 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 last thing is, if my um uh any of the listeners want to find more about your products, right? Um, is there any social media platform they can find you guys, or just I know there's a lot of sleep number stores all over the place they can go to and try it out. Well, absolutely. Sleepnumber dot com is probably uh one of the best uh spot places to try, and of course any of the、uh, stores as well. And then I think uh, Nicole, uh, there's a there's an email that、uh, we have an intake email for questions as well. Maybe we can provide that. And if you're interested from a scientific perspective, sleepnumber.com/science is the,、mm-hmm. our portal that has all of our scientific information on it、um, for any、uh, anyone who's interested in that. Awesome! I will definitely put those、um, in the show notes so everyone, when they listen to the podcast, they will be able to have access to that. Fantastic! Perfect. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Cassie and Raj. And this is a wonderful conversation. I had fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sleep well. So, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed our conversation. If you do, please consider leaving an honest review for my show. Reviews actually can help my show grow and help us reach out to more audience. So, if you want to subscribe to the Deep Into Sleep newsletter, please go to this link, deepintosleep.co/sleep. So, next week I will fly to Charlotte to attend the Sleep Conference 2022. I will have the chance to go to different presentations and even meet some sleep professors in person. So hopefully, I will get some interesting updates in the sleep field, and I will share them here with you. If there's anything you are curious about sleep, leave me a message on my website, or you can email me and ask me. So I will go to the conference with these questions and try to find the answers or interview some experts. So I'm super excited. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. Ishan. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.